0: Hello everyone, my name is Chao Du, I'm the Artistic Director of Kirov Academy of Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Ballet Podcast. This is the place where I live video interview some of the most robust, most professional, most well-known figures in our industry. They're going to share their expertise, experience, and advice to our audience members. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, hello everyone. This is Karab Academy and my name is Josh, one of the marketing team. Uh, today we would like to continue to, to our second episode of the Ballet Podcast uh, with uh, Mr. Dirk Badenhorst. Um, he is the CEO of the South African International Ballet Compe- Competition. And uh, he will, we'll bring him in with Mr. Dew. Thank you so much for participating.
0: Hello, Dirk. How are you?
2: I'm very well, thanks. Yourself?
0: I'm doing really wonderful. I am um, very happy to see you. Uh, grateful for, te- for the technology. Last week, as you know, that we interviewed uh, Septim Weber from Hong Kong. I'm in Washington. And this week, I'm just so excited to have you join us from Johannesburg, South Africa. And uh, really, it's the technology brings everybody together. I am so grateful to to have you on this uh, second episode of uh, the the podcast from Kirov Academy. And uh, I want to um, introduce you to to our audience. And uh, I was thinking how we can do a brief interview, but in the way that truly describe who you are. And uh, of course, we're gonna elaborate of all the wonderful things that you have been doing and you are doing right now. And um, I am thinking about, there's three things about you. It's like three roles in the ballet. You dance the meal, you dance table and you dance uh, the, the, uh, uh, another role, like three roles in you, that are, which is, I think is just fantastic. It's just amazing. First, of course, You are the jury member of International Ballet Competition. I have seen you all over the world judging and uh, bringing everybody together in the dance community. And you're founder and CEO of South African International Ballet Competition. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. So that's first your role. And the second role, I'm thinking that to me, it's very important that you are a a ballet educator, the promoter, and the director. So not only, let's say people think of the ballet educator, the world think it's a teacher, like I consider myself a teacher and the teaching ballet classes, coaching, and uh, bring ballet on stage and um, that the, the type of activity that we normally associate to an educator, but you are in different level You all bring educators together. You bring educators from one location to influence the other in the the international level. This is actually how we met, uh, Dirk. For everybody you don't know, I I was invited by Dirk to participate a international ballet intensive uh, last summer. This is when I the second time went to South Africa, but this, the first time was as a dancer with the Washington Valley. The second time was uh, as a teacher. And uh, so he brings teachers, move them from one region to the other. With them, those teachers brought their knowledge from their different background and their different approach to, to South Africa. So the students there can have a chance to be influenced, to be taught from teachers from all over the world. And uh, Mr. Dirk is gonna go over with us a little bit about that, which I think is absolutely fascinating. And promoter, a ballet lover and also a ballet promoter using ballet in the way as a tool to create cultural exchange to bring people together, to bring more understanding of people because as we know very well, we enter a ballet studio, let's say uh, a company class. You will see dancers from all over the world, but we're speaking one language, the language of ballet. And instantly, and I experienced this all over my life. I know before the class, we were just don't know each other. We start taking this class right? We're sort of timid and with a little nervous. As the teachers, we started to, we don't know anybody's background, and we started teaching class. The very first day, if you remember, we taught this so-called evaluation class all together, all the teachers that we sort of know each other, but we don't know who we are. But instantly, after the class, we became instant friends, because we spoke a common language because we're educators. For dancers, I o- often found that we go to the ballet festival international, we take taking class with uh, dancers from all over the world. After 90-minute class, we become instant friends because we spoke the same language. And that's really fascinating. Um, you are doing so beautifully in that regard. And also a director. You are the director of ballet, uh, bazanti Ballet, which is you found, and which is you bring the company together and you travel. And not only you bring people into South Africa, but you bring South African dancers to the world. So it's exchange, it's a two, two-way exchange. And uh, we're gonna talk, you're gonna tell us a little bit about that. And then third, which is, I think is big role. And I always remember when we were, uh, often talked about, and I would say to Dirk, Dirk, you should be ambassador, you should be the cultural ambassador of South Africa, because that's what's really what you're doing. And uh, the first time we met, actually, you were on stage as a jury member in uh, 2018 in Shanghai, China, as a jury member of international competition. And the way they introduced you, uh, Mr. Dirk Battenhorst, uh, from South Africa, you walk on stage, and um, you didn't have to say anything. It was a it was announced right away in everybody's mind. They put two connections together. The South African's presence in the international world in the name of ballet. And uh, as a cultural ambassador, you're doing a fantastic job, not only go to China, you go to all other parts of Asia, you go to Russia, you go to Europe, um, then after this conversation and two months later, I saw you were at, uh, in, in Russia uh, representing South Africa to have an arts cultural exchange conference. You were speaking on behalf of the state of art in Africa. So this is, to me, it's really is uh, what you're doing and who you are is, is really a metaphor of how one ambitious person, inspiring person, can use the art of ballet beyond just what I'm doing, which is important too, Tondu, du, and all that. It's very important too, but using it as a tool to bring dancers together, to bring culture together, bring countries together. So that extent version of um, what ballet can do, it's truly, truly remarkable and, um, and inspiring. So, Dirk, I'm just gonna go ahead. I have some subjects right here, and I prepared just to reinforce what we just talked about. And uh, I'm sure uh, you are going to bring up, please feel free to to bring up anything extra that I was uh, forgotten. Now, first, uh, Dirk, I wanna ask you, how do you see international competition can help dancers grow and bring the communities together? And what are the things uh, SAIBC, South African International Ballet Company is doing that are different in terms of promotion and education? Mr. Dirk, can you elaborate with that a little bit? With us? I can, and
2: thank you very much again for having me. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. Um, And as you have said, you know, ballet for me has become a tool to bring us all together. It has become something so special that uh, we have to understand that we are all part of the same community. We might come from different countries, different schools of training. We might have special preferences or different preferences, but ultimately we are all trying to make ballet bigger, better, and stronger globally. And I think that, for me, is so important. In South Africa, we have the beautiful Royal Academy of Dance. We have Chaketi, We have the Dance Association of South Africa. Recently, I started having um, the Cuban methodology for the last three or four years in South Africa. But it's not that the one is better than the other. It's like I always say to people, it's like having to go and choose your psychologist or your ballet teacher it, you have to find what works for you, what makes ballet click for you and tick for you. Um, and also, you have to look so carefully at what your audience is enjoying as well. And I think that's a very important aspect of all of these things. So I went to um, to China in 2007. Um, to the Shanghai competition. Uh, And that was the first time I finalized the idea of hosting the South African International Ballet Competition in South Africa. And there was a wonderful lady, Haesha Kim from South Korea, who immediately said she would be one of the supporters of this competition. And she really has been. From the very, very first competition, she had done that. And she had to do Something that I didn't understand at that moment how hard it was to get her to to convince the parents from South Korea to send their kids to South Africa. So um, And then they came. And since then, it has been wonderful to go to South Korea because every time I go, I see young kids that have been to the competition and who had moved on to become dancers in the Universal Ballet, in the National Ballet, and in many companies around the world. So that's what ballet does. And that's really, I think, also why I wanted the competition to come to South Africa. And I think that is the value of competitions. It isn't about the tricks that the kids can do at the competitions. It isn't about, in the end, really, who wins the competition. It's about the opportunities it creates. And I think, for me, what makes the South African International Ballet Competition so so special is the fact That we really try for the week that all the dancers are in the beautiful city of Cape Town, they are creating a big family. Of course there is is the, the, the will to win, of course there's competition going on, but they have a week to get to know one another, to help one another, to learn from one another. And I always go backstage and I always say to the kids when they are sitting backstage, that the competition is not about what happens on the stage. It's what happens behind the stage. Um, Many of the teachers that you will meet there will much quicker become directors of schools or even companies in the future. Many of the young dancers will become principal dancers later and then artistic directors in the future. So it's an incredible network that you build. And I think that is really what I try to do so much of is the networking capability of all the kids participating. And most of them go away and come back later with, and and I see them at other competitions and when I travel the world in in companies and they all come and say, hi, Mr. Bartnos, how are you? So great to see you, so great to catch up with you. And that for me is what's so important. Many kids get access to scholarships to schools, Many kids get uh, positions in companies. Uh, there's a beautiful dancer at Dutch National that was selected to go to Dutch National. First, the junior company by Ernst Meissner, who was the one of my jury members in 2014. And then she moved up in the company. Um, and that's what it's about for me. It's about bringing the beautiful directors of schools and companies together, and they inform the future of ballet they sit together and they discuss not just the actual dancer they discuss what happens in the different companies they discuss what happens stylistically what happens in the science of training ballet dancers and that's very important for me because training a ballet dancer isn't just a hobby it truly has become a science and it took me many, many years to understand and, and literally to cut myself in half to understand that some teachers are teachers to keep kids busy and off the street. And that's 100% fine. And many of those kids will become future audience members and supporters of the ballet and hopefully also funders of the ballet. But then there's the other half, the half that is about training the vocational dancer, the superstar that you will see on, this, on the stage. And the superstar isn't only the principal dancer. A superstar is any dancer that lands up in a professional company, because they all have to work together to tell the story of Swan Lake, or Don Q, or Giselle, or whatever it is that you are going to watch. And so often we think of the ballet dancer that is the principal dancer as the superstar, and it's not true. Uh, it's, it's, It's a real combination of everybody coming together. And I think that is the value of any ballet competition in the world. It gives you the opportunity as a dancer to, to, to make friends and to compare yourself to what's happening in the world, as uh, teachers to see what happens in the world of training around the world. And and it's really beautiful. I've had Ramona de the director of the National Ballet School of Cuba, sit and chat to uh, Heishik Kim, and they were exchanging training methodologies, and it, it was cross-informing. So... A lot of the people think it's only about what's happening on the stage. And as I said before, it's not. There are so many different layers to a competition. And that is what's so beautiful. And many directors get together and discuss. And uh, I know that in, 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 in Beijing, I was on the jury the first time, the first South African in 2013. and 2011, I was just a guest. And in Shanghai... A lot of work happens behind the scenes about yeah. creating networks of new ballets that, 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 um, that are being put together, uh, of, of making the connections, of bringing the guest teachers to come and teach for you. As you had mentioned, I met you in Shanghai in 2018. And then I brought you last year to South Africa. And I'm very happy to see that you're wearing my beautiful shirt um, <laughs> for the South African International Ballet Competition Intensive that we hosted. Um, And it's that kind of networking that is so important. Uh, It's so important for us as a country that is so isolated from the world. Um, and And again, I have to say thank you to all the ballet teachers that are doing so much in South Africa to try and to create dancers for the future. And you have become, after the, the competition, in uh, the intensive in, in South Africa, you've become quite famous. So many people really loved what you were doing. And you introduced them to the Vaganava style of training, to what happens at the Kirov school. You spoke so well of the school. Um, and that is really what it's about for me. And then you spoke of, of the ambassadorial role that that, that I might have fulfilled, but it's not just me, it's every single dancer that travels to a different place, whether it's a different city, a different school, a different country, a different continent, every single one of those dancers is taking a bit of where they come from to where they are going. And for me, that is what is, is so very, very important. We learn so much. When we see somebody dance, we know so much more about those people, who they are, what they are. Um, and sometimes we, we don't really know of what they had had to go through to get there. But that we learn very, 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 very well. And we try very hard to, to, to foster that. So in South Africa, you, you asked also what, what makes the competition different is the fact that we try so hard to bring kids from, from different communities to the theater. Sometimes they are not ready to actually participate in the competition, but we bring them to watch. Um, we, We take them to meet the dancers. We get them to do class with some of the teachers that we have there. And that is really, again, what we are trying to do to make ballet more accessible. So since 2016, I have been working with the Ministry of Culture in Cuba and the Embassy of Cuba in South Africa to bring Cuban teachers Um, with the kind permission of the National Ballet School of Cuba to start training young black teachers in the townships and some teachers in South Africa in the Cuban methodology. Again, not saying the one methodology is better than the other, just introducing something different. And again, that's what's important about the competitions because we all have something that makes us special. And yet in the end, we want to put everybody in the same box. And we have to understand that every dancer comes from a different school that speaks to a different audience, that has a, a different kind of sensitivity and a different kind of sensibility to their dancer. So you can't really compare a Kirov in, in, in Washington to a, Um, a dancer from the National Ballet School of Cuba or a dancer from the Paris Opera or, or the Royal Ballet or the Dutch National Ballet School because they were trained differently. And they were trained differently because they are trained to perform where they are at. But in the end, there is good training and bad training. And so that is really what we are having to look for first and foremost when the dancer walked on stage the question is have they been trained well let's forget at first about the style let's forget about the costume let's forget about anything else first just look at whether the training was good then you can start look at all the other things but i always say that if a dancer was really well trained the body the physical instrument really well trained then any director can take that well-trained body and shape him or her into exactly what works for that particular company. And that, in the end, is what makes a good dancer good. It's the fact that they have to be versatile to be able to do today a Jerome Robbins ballet, tomorrow a Balanchine ballet, the next day a Rune ballet, or whoever ballet it is that they are wanting to dance. And the style of that particular company, so that's really, I, I think, in short, which was not so short, um, why I do what I do, and what makes the ballet competition in South Africa different from the others, and yeah. the question as to what it is that I look at or what I look for when I adjudicate on international stages.
0: Absolutely, and I think taken away, uh, Mr. Dirk, that the most important for a young audience, the students, it's. It is a networking, it's a tremendous networking opportunity. And I, I feel like I'm echoing what you said uh, so beautifully is that not only you wish to be placed well, of course, you go to competition, you wanna win, but it's the tremendous opportunity behind it. There's networking opportunity for jury member to see you, let's say at, as a um, junior level, but the next two years later, they see you at a senior level. That kind of uh, emo- emotional personal connection is already there, and uh, most of the jury members are directors of companies, and the teachers who brought students travel internationally are well-known teachers. And so, this I almost feel like it's a conference in multi levels, not only for the students' the com- competition, uh, the dancers, the students, but teachers and the directors, all levels of almost like a conference together. And uh, so for that, and I really believe that uh, young dancers can, can benefit so much from it. Thank, thank you for uh, articulating that. That this is something that I've been trying to tell people the same, a lot of uh, students and parents ask me, should, should we do the competition? What's the competition? It's much more than just compete for that 90 seconds or a minute or two on stage but because you are creating a presence, you're creating a dialogue on stage with so many people that are going to be so important for you and later on in your career. Um, That's so fantastic. Um, We're gonna talk about the South African dance education in a little bit. And I think I have a question, a couple other elements uh, about that uh, later on, but uh, I wanna talk about, um, what, This this is a a specific question. What do you think the young dance dance students should be doing if they have lack of access to quality dance education and exposure? Now, this is not just a South African question. No, this is a global question, truly global question. So as a person who has. So much experience in that regard what I just talked about, for the students who does not have access. I'm talking about access to good teacher. I'm talking about access to good studio. I'm talking about access to just a safe environment, okay? To study ballet, that what is the experience, um, what they should do and what can, are you doing in helping that aspect in South Africa? And what's your advice globally, please?
2: Well, I think first and foremost, uh, with this whole coronavirus, there was a beautiful story on Facebook at one stage that says we are all in the same storm, but we are not in the same boat. And I think that applies to so many levels of our lives because, you know, you can have no access to great training, but you might have enough money to get a flight to travel or a, a taxi or a car or the opportunity to go to a place where you have it. Then you might have all the talent in the world, but you have absolutely no funding to get you anywhere. And we have a lot of that in South Africa, sadly. Um, And so, for instance, what what, what we do is we try and create as many opportunities. And we did, for instance, the intensive in South Africa last year. Many schools have their winter or summer or autumn schools where they invite kids from outlying areas and they also then offer scholarships. You have um, in your school the young, beautiful Mateo dancing with you from South Africa, um, and, and it, that is possible. But for the child that, that I think first and foremost is sitting where they are, with many of these summer schools that happen, they are offering scholarships, and they are trying to make it as accessible as possible to, to many kids. With the intensive I hosted in Johannesburg last year, we had kids from all nine South African provinces there. Some had to, to, to endure very hard times to be able to get there, but they did. And it's that inspiration that they then take back with them, that exposure to, to great teaching that they can take back to their fellow dancers and their fellow teachers. Um, but also what the COVID-19 has taught us is that we can do what we are doing right now at least we can start using technology to start connecting. So, um, you know, I I literally daily open my Facebook and there are messages from young dancers saying, how can you help? And I always try and find teachers in their area that I can refer them to that is as close as possible that could then hopefully uh, teach them. And that happens anywhere in the world. You could really literally do that anywhere in the world. So um, that's what we try and do. And we try and create as many opportunities. Um, we try and allow uh, scholarship kids and, and bursary kids to, to join different schools. Um, the one very important message I think that is so important now in this time of technology, where so many people um, are accessing classes online, it's great that there are all these classes. and the question that each dancer or teacher or parent should ask is, is this appropriate level for my child? Is this the right class for my child? Or should I find another class that is at the right level? Because if you don't do the right level of training, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to train yourself badly. You're going to do things that are sadly not good for you. But all of those presupposes, um, a certain level of knowledge, a certain level of understanding um, that not everybody has. And, you know, I always think of uh, Li xun Sin, the Mao's Last Dancer. How wonderful would it have been if we all had that capability that China had 50, 60 years ago um, or 40 years ago to go and travel throughout the whole country and to try and find... All those very very talented kids. Not wait for them to come to you. Even when when oftentimes we do um, uh, audition tours, we are still kind of relying on kids to come to you. We still kind of relying on a on on, on the, the 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 suggestion or the thought that the community knows about it and can therefore come and do it. We forget that there are so many kids that have never even heard of what ballet is in very, very remote parts of South Africa, of, of many other countries. I'm not talking about the European countries. I think it's very rare that in Europe you will find people not knowing um, what 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 ballet is. But it's particularly in the third world countries, the, the, the poorer countries where there are such talent, absolutely such beautiful talent. And I think it's our task as ballet professionals to try and find them. So um, in Washington Ballet is Andile Ndlovu who Septim, uh, spotted at the 2008 International Ballet Competition in South Africa and offered him and the young dancer Boise de Kobe uh, positions in the summer school. And then they grew into the company. And, yes. and what is beautiful about Andile and boys is that they come back to South Africa and they teach and they inspire and they take part in productions and they allow television time uh, to, to really give back and to really re-inspire young South Africans. And I think that is what, what is so important. That is what we need so much more of. And we often think, sorry, <clears throat> we often think that if we've done it once, it's enough it's never enough. You know, when I talk about my development programs in South Africa, and make no mistake, I'm not the only person in South Africa that that, that runs development programs. They are very beautiful development programs from Zama, from the different schools, um, really, really beautiful. and um, And we talk about it, but What we forget is that we keep on talking in the same circles, and we are not moving out of our own spheres of influence. And we have to try and break that. We have to find the other influencers that can help us reach those other children, that can inspire those other children. I was having an interview with um, a lady called Clara from Nigeria the other day, and she was talking about how do we inspire young boys in the beginning to do ballet? And I said in the beginning, don't wait for them to come to you as well. Go to the soccer club or the cricket club or the tennis club and go and teach movement to those young boys. Get them to experience the value of what ballet can do for them. Don't even call it ballet in the beginning because ballet in so many ways has such a negative stigma. and. In some ways, let's get past that at first. Also, don't for the young boys, don't put them in tights in day one. Some of the boys are quite fine with it, but some of the boys would rather die than put a pair of tights. So play in the beginning to the interests of those young kids that you are wanting to have an impact and get them to become the change agents for you. Uh, because once they start talking and, and when they start beating their opponents in the soccer and they say, but hang on, why are you suddenly beating us? Oh, you're doing this thing called ballet. Let's also start doing it. And that's when you will then start finding more and more and more and more young ballet dancers. But in the end, a lot of funding is required. And again, that's why the the Chinese model for for the last 40, 50, 60 years have been so incredible because it has been so incredibly well-funded. Um, You know the the Shanghai International Ballet Competition has one of the biggest prize monies per competition right now. Beijing tries to do the same. Many other competitions don't have that kind of funding. Many other companies and schools don't have that kind of funding. Um, And we have to make do in other ways. And we have to try and find that talent and create the opportunities for the youngsters that... um, are out there to get to your schools. And, and again, that's why somebody like yourself and many of the directors of the other schools are doing such great jobs, going around, seeing the talent, spotting it, and then bringing it together. Ballet is a very expensive art form. We all know that. Yeah. Um, and so also you don't want to, and it's a harsh word, you don't want to waste the resources, time, money, um, talent, on somebody that it really isn't going to make it. And so somebody that's not gonna make it isn't necessarily the most talented or untalented kid. Oftentimes you have somebody with all the facility and all the talent in the world that still doesn't make it. So the, the job of the director is so important in being able to, to look through what they are seeing physically in front of them, but being able to look into the heart and into the mind and soul of that little person in front of you, when you give them the opportunity? Do they have that drive? Do they have that passion? Um, and all of those things together is what in the end is what we are all striving towards to create the opportunities.
0: I, I agree everything you said. And I think a ballet to be properly conducted the training process, it has to be a state and private level combination because without state, at, uh, at, the, at the federal level of sponsorship, the private can never compete with that kind of um, countries with that kind of support. Let's say the country you just talked about. And let's say, for example, Cuba as well, right? And Cuba uh, produces some of the best dancers in the world. I mean, we go to Cuba, we might not see uh, this huge luxury buildings. So we might not see, uh, they they have a put, but they're they're on the pedestal in terms of artists, in terms of respect by the public. And I was absolutely amazed how educated the audience were. When we went to Cuba, every audience member knows the ballet. They know the music, they know when to clap, they know when to not clap. That means the ballet is completely infiltrated into people people's lives and that but that the big thing is
2: of... the big thing is that they had the complete one hundred and fifty percent support of the former president Fidel Castro for 50, 60 years that he was running the country. Um, the the rumor is for instance that right in the beginning when he became the president he approached Alicia and Fernando and Alberto Alonso and said how much will it cost to build ballet company and they did their sums and they they gave him an an amount of x and he said i will give you two times x but you have to build it into one of the best companies in the world he understood the value of the arts he understood the value in particular of classical ballet um and you know a lot of things can be said about the president but if your president is indeed completely supportive of it. It makes it so much easier for all government departments, firstly, and then secondly, the private sector to support. Because it's yeah. very hard for the private sector to support something when the government is completely against yeah. it, when the government is not making it easier to support it. So um, right. that you're 100% right. It is completely a, a partnership between the, 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 the national, local, provincial governments, and the private sector. And then, of course, having the talent and the passion.
0: Absolutely. And I was also, as a teacher, I always said, you know, we our job to is to lead, to inspire the students and to be a role model. But sometimes I found it the, the other way around. We need to be inspired by the students that are role model students to keep us ourselves in check. I want to tell the story that just briefly when I was uh, in in South Africa last year to just teaching, and we we have this this boy, this beautiful young teenager boy, and I, he always had a TV crew, a, a camera, and a couple of people following him around, and I thought that that's uh, probably a young star and probably uh, it's uh, a some agenda and then all that, so I, I didn't really pay attention to it, and. Uh, But after a week, this uh, technician, the the TV crew person that we become known because he was always there and come to me, he says, Mr. Du, I hope we're not being intrusive. And he began to tell me a little bit why he was there to film me. This was an ongoing project for many years now to document this child, his life, how dance literally saved his life. And that, when he told me that story, how he was born, how he was introduced to dance. And and this is before I started casting him in a very nice role in my piece because I saw something in him. He was not the most talented legs and feet and everything else in that whole group. However, I saw, I felt something, just a natural intuition that was before I was uh, being told that this tremendous story around this boy. And then tells, I tell myself, you know what, Rin You have nothing to complain about. You know, we always complain the weather's cold. <laughs> <This> and, <that. laughs> and then we started at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we have something to complain about, right? We always at the dance, because as a dancer, we complain. Uh, <laughs> That was like, Rin you have nothing to complain about. I saw this boy, the spark in his, in his eyes when he's dancing. And I, after I was told about that, that his story, this uh, TV station is documentary, his life. I was like, wow. I mean, talking about the aspect of training stars, right? We have beautiful NDA at, at the international level. But at the same time, saving lives. I mean, I hate to say it, yeah. save life. I have friends that we met in, in South uh, South Africa that having schools in in the in the not very good areas, but they are there to have a studio so the s- students does not have to travel a long way. I mean, we are the our form, it's the range of what does is is absolutely tremendous. So I learn and I see and I heard stories through traveling. This is another thing about this kind of networking. It informs me to be a teacher and a person that who I am now is being informed by those many experiences. So. What, you know, what,
2: what I always find amazing is that Uh, whether you're in Johannesburg or in Soweto, one of our townships, or in Nigeria or in Cuba or in Washington or in Moscow or in Paris or in London, how universal the appeal of ballet is, a tiara and a tutu and a pointe shoe, how it's the dream of every little girl and how that that life-saving is often giving the opportunity to a young kid from a very, very disadvantaged background. But at the same time, how a middle-class kid or a a kid from a very, very wealthy background has that passion inside them that without giving credence to it, without being able to make something of it, they will die. Um, And ballet then, gives them that spark. I will not, never forget in, in 2004, we, we took our, our, our babies from one of our schools to a hospital where we performed for a group of kids in a cancer ward. And there was one little girl that the nursing staff said that she was going to die, they were completely convinced that she would die in the next three to four days. And literally while she was watching, there was a little spark that had gone on in her eyes. And I made a point of calling every single week for the next six months to see how she was. And she was still alive after six months. Something that day, and it wasn't the miracle or magic or nothing. It was just something that sparked something and made her wanting to not give up and I think that is what is so very, very important. And I think this is what, even in these times of COVID-19, you know, the arts are not seen as essential as an essential job. And so in many places, it's one of the last things that they are allowing. I know that in, in Germany right now, people are fighting and they are entering their studios at last and they have to keep social distancing. And yes, there are people that are hungry and there are people that are, are going through terrible hardships at the moment, really, really in countries like ours, but not just like ours, around the world. But we forget the value of being able to to lose yourself in beautiful music, in beautiful theater, in beautiful, and and I'm not just talking about classical art forms, I'm talking about folkloric art forms, I'm talking about traditional art forms. I, I think that we forget and you are so right that says it's life-changing and life-saving. Uh, These art forms, they are really, really important. You know, and for many years I was like, yeah, I understand that we need to, to, to do certain things first until one day it dawned upon me and, and I understood that, no, there is something about the arts that makes the world worth turning. Um, you know, there's always the joke, and I'm not sure if it really said it, but Winston Churchill, that said, um, that his, his advisors told him that they should cut, when they were looking to, to cut money somewhere, they said, uh, let's cut the arts. And he then said, but in that case, what's the point of having a war? You know, if you, if you are fighting, but you don't have the arts left in your own country, there is no, no reason to. And that, for me, is, is really such an important thing to remember. Um, that we, we mustn't give up. We must never, never give up. And it goes back to that, to that point that you made just now about not having access to great training or, uh, or to training at all, is that never give up. Always try and pursue your passion. Never take no for an answer. Um, you know, uh, we, we look at some of these amazing companies and these big schools that exist, and we, we forget that behind that, there was a merry day in Washington uh, Ballet's uh, instance that had to fight and push for so many years before it became the one and then the next and the next. And we, we, we forget that in, in our world, um, there's the dirt partners that people see, but we forget all of the teachers that are watching, and I must say to all the South African teachers that are watching and, have, and let me know that they, they will be watching. Thank you very, very much. It is so much appreciated. But we forget that there are many people that are working behind the scenes to make it, it happen. And as much as the dancer has the passion to dance, the teachers have the passion to dance and to keep dance alive. And that is what is so important. It's about working together and understanding that when you say to a child, go on to another school, it's not saying that teacher isn't good. It's taking the child to another level. It is about creating the next opportunity. So if I go to my concept of the training teachers in the townships, I can't get physically everywhere. And for many years, the companies in South Africa and the schools in South Africa were trying to take a few kids and, and, and would bring them somewhere to be trained, but it's not sustainable. It's hugely costly to constantly transport these teachers, these kids. And so that's why, four and a half years ago, I said, let's now start training the teachers who live in those particular townships, yeah. who understand the politics and the workings of that, those townships. Those people that don't have jobs and don't have opportunities, let's start training them to become the teachers. And then that takes care now of tier or level one that we can start selecting the best of the best of the best and then bringing those together, but never forgetting or allowing the kids who are living in, in some of the most undesirable uh, um, situations and conditions, uh, they must have access down the road to classical ballet. Not only classical ballet, but in my world, classical ballet. And that's what's so important, and that's why it's it's been so fantastic to be able to then do a a second tier, when we did the International Ballet Intensive when you came last year, with Christoph from from Germany, and with uh, Elsa from Latvia, and the two Cubans from, from America it was then to, to to create the second level of that inspiration. And then I can tell you that a number of those kids have been so inspired that they cannot, they cannot wait to now land up in a company. You know, when you were doing those boys' classes, it is so hugely important um, in the, to, to have classes for those boys to get together because most of those boys are in their own studio by themselves. And then we create this, this space where suddenly there's a testosterone rush, there's, a, there's an energy, there's a, there's a, I'm gonna do two pirouettes. you're gonna do three, I'm gonna do four. And it's a healthy competition. And it's been beautiful to see how some of those young dancers have literally moved on to the next level. And it's those opportunities that are so hugely important. And so never give up, never mis- misjudge or, or, or not realize the impact of what you are having on many of these kids.
0: How inspiring, beautiful, <coughs> absolutely. My third um, question, uh, Mr. Dark, is that um, as an international ballet company do you remember? What are the common mistakes? And this is where we get into little nitty gritty things. What are the common mistakes you observed from the students? And what, are, what is your uh, advice to improve them? I'm talking about when you see a student, clearly that variation is uh, not appropriate. When you see a student, clearly the technical level is beyond him or her at the moment. Can you share with us some of your advice as a jury member, you're sitting there with some of the biggest names in ballet world. You are having this tremendous career or tremendous background. You sit in there, you watch this 14 year old walk on stage, do her a minute and a half variation and then leave. In that 90 seconds, what is that sometimes the common mistake you say, I wish she could have done a little bit more of that. I wish he could have done less of that. C- can you just give us a little bit from your jury you member point of view that some of the tips that we can avoid and do? Well,
2: first and foremost, I think we forget the impact and the influence the teacher has um, on the kids. Um, and I have sat in a jury where the jury had said something about a, the style of a, of a particular dancer Yes. And after the competition, I would speak to the teacher and say, well, the jury was saying this about the style of, of the solo. And the teacher would say, oh, but what do they know? And therein lies the biggest challenge because the teacher didn't want to know better. So step one is to, to have a teacher who understands ballet much better than often they do. Um, so that's the first thing. And then to be willing to be able to take thoughts and corrections and suggestions um, because you're 100% correct. So often a a dancer walks on stage and they are just not ready yet for what they are dancing. They are not being kind to themselves and often they are not being kind to the jury because the jury has has to sit through all of that. And they forget that by the fourth or the fifth time you see something that you just think is so ridiculous you are just scoring them lower and lower and lower. So choose wisely, choose what suits you. Don't, don't use the competition necessarily as a challenge to improve yourself as much as you should. I, I, I'm, I'm contradicting myself as, as I'm speaking. Because what I mean by that is, yes, you should push yourself harder and harder to a next level. But that level, that line, should be guided by the teacher that is coaching you. There comes a point where you have to say, I'm not going to jump that, or I'm not going to turn that, or I'm not going to do that because I am not ready for that. Um, I am not ready to tell this particular story at this moment. So let me be kind to myself. Let me not try and do uh, Swan Lake Act Three when I don't even understand what the ballet is about. So, you know, and, and, and we see this in South Africa all the time. We have parents, we have teachers that keep on saying, yes, but it's such a simple solo, we need to do something more difficult because the kid is going to leave the school. Well, it's your job as a teacher to understand that the child is not ready for that particular solo. So take charge and find the right advice um you know musicality is so important um storytelling is so important and that's something that people often say you know going right back to your first question whether competitions are beneficial because for so many years people saw competitions as uh showcases for uh rhythmic gymnastics and athletics and and things like that and forgetting the value of storytelling the value of the art yes and that is so important so choose from the moment go the appropriate solo number 2 for me is important show versatility don't choose two solos if you get to dance two solos that look exactly the same what's the point the the jury will remember it they will they will be so impressed if somebody understands that they are doing a different style and that they get the different style because that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. And I think those are very important things for me. Then also costuming. If you're going to be doing the, the peasant variation from Giselle, you cannot come onto stage with a costume that is full of glitter and shiny rhinestones and, and, and sparkly everything because you're a peasant You have to be able to portray the role that you are trying to portray. Um, And so those are things that are very, very important. The moment you walk on your costume, as much as it's not supposed to to, to make a big impact on the jury, it does if it's completely wrong. It It really does. If it's badly cut, if it's too long or too short, or it doesn't suit the style of the ballet, immediately... You get penalized without, you know, it's not like somebody goes and says, I, I take 20% off. No. But in the back of your head as a juror, it's there. And then you start being being more nitpicking. It, you shouldn't be, but you are. And, you know, you because can say whatever you want. Exactly.
0: Because the mood is already exactly. set. Exactly. You know, I the other you're, thing
2: you're, is, is the choice of, of your music. That's the last one I wanted to talk about. It's, you know, a child walks on stage and they play their variations of music and it's completely a a horrifically recorded piece of music and they made it faster to suit them and they made it slower to suit them. Do you think that the jury isn't aware of that? (laughs) Bear that in mind when you can, of course people fiddle with the the Tempe, but do it sensibly and do it well and do it still within the music. You know, you can't literally do something so completely different that it it makes no sense. So um, those are the things I think that are very important.
0: I I agree with everything. And I I wanna elaborate a little bit on the teacher's level. So we often get into a situation where students come to us or um, often happens in that competition situation, the parents say, you know what, i like to have uh, my child go to a competition. Would you coach her? No, she has already something prepared. So this is where I believe teachers have to be very serious and uh, uh, behave and act as a coach, a teacher, because there's a big difference, I do believe, that between a child's favorite variation done by her favorite ballerina, that's something that she always want to do, That between the readiness of that student, the appropriateness. So the repertory choice there and has to be made through thoughtful discussion and evaluation. You might need to try a few other few things before you settle on one variation. But one thing I do know that cannot be the child's favorite variation because we have seen it A 12-year-old cannot be doing Giselle. I mean, it just doesn't work. So that's, in that sense, the coach has to play a much bigger and more important role, the teachers. And I believe that that nowadays, although we can take total advantage of technology on YouTube and and all that social media site, you can find every variation possible, but you teachers have to create, have to massage into a version that is tailored fit into the yeah. student. It's your job. You cannot be, here is somebody's variation. Here's, no, that's them. These people have been coached by their by their teachers for many years, come up that their own version. That is not a one size fits all situation. So for us as teachers, I often see teachers in QF Academy where one little passage, one little transition, they will scrutinize it, they scrutinize it. And then they just go back and forth and back and forth. And me sometimes, you know, you know me, I'm like, just do it, but they would just do it. And it just, that's beauty of all teachers because that's yeah. how the background, just like you talk about the culture, that's how the only thing we know how to do it. So can you just elaborate a little bit? Because I know we have a lot of teachers are watching and, uh, Can you elaborate a little bit, how, just like what you just said? And I think it's important for everybody to understand
2: that. yeah. yeah, so I completely what you're saying. And if you adapt the solo, and, and I always say to people, you know, no director in any company is going to make the ballet look worse by allowing their dancer to look silly by not being able to do something. So solos have been adapted and changed for so many years. Ongoingly, you know, uh, they would change the, the, the side of the pirouette, some turn right, some turn left, and if you can change it, change it. But keep it in the style of the ballet. So don't suddenly in a romantic ballet become super classical. No, it, you need to stay in the style of what it was originally created. Beyond that, for sure, make your dancer look as good, as secure, yes. as comfortable, as happy as they can be. Because that's what it's about. Because in the end, it's the same as the musicality. When you watch from the front, and you are, as a jury member, enjoying what you are seeing in, your, in front of you, you are less critical. The moment something starts jarring, you start asking questions, you start wondering, yeah, you start doubt of what's going on. And that's what you don't want. So you want the child to come on and just done something that has flowed and read yeah. so beautifully and so cleanly that it just works. And then I can tell you they will forgive you as jury members quite a number of things. So yeah. Remember that. Put that in the back of your head always Um, because no jury member wants to disqualify or take marks off because, again, what I said right in the beginning, we are all in the same game. We are all wanting to make ballet better and stronger and more beautiful for everybody. So when a child has put in so many hours with a teacher, you don't want to give the child the bad mark unless something is so jarringly horrible and unlikely to be enjoyed, that becomes problematic. So that is really what I think people people need to always bear in mind.
0: I, I agree with you. And I believe the competition, is yes, it, it's, it's a place to showcase your talent, showcase your ability, especially your technical strong dancer. But I don't believe competition is a place to take chances and to, to take take the risks that beyond you. So I always, you know, very well in in my training in in China, the students, literally, if I talk to my teacher these days, and uh, sometimes I talk, uh, still go back, refreshing literally my roots, where I'm coming from. For them to make a mistake, it's not possible for them to make a mistake on stage because it's, it's, it's become a mechanical, it's body body's mechanical. So once I asked my team, one of a classmate of mine, and uh, I was like, you know, competition is so uncertain, you just don't know what the kid is gonna do. And then he, and he's my classmate, but we've been apart for many years, so, but he still stayed in that driven form. He said, mistake, that's not possible. It's not, so it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Their body, it, it's so conditioned in the way that it's just, they just do it, it's just mechanical. So whether you talk about artistry or not, guess what, they have artistry as well. So they, they said what he shared with me, and I remember this is what really the school still followed that tradition. I mean, he says, if you do the variation, boy and girls, their gauge is do three times, literally one time, you about have 20 seconds, 15 seconds to catch your breath. Do it again. Another 15 seconds, 20 seconds, catch your breath. Do it three times. They go three times identical, identical. Yeah. Then they feel it's ready. Then they feel, okay, I can do one time good on stage. So I yeah. feel like there is the two, once you decide on a version, I often see this, people start to change. Okay, before you narrow down to a version, You go through this evaluation period between you and your dancers and your students. You you create everything. But there is a moment where, okay, this is it. This is what we do. This is the version we're going to work on. Once that decision is made, please don't change every day. One day it didn't work, don't change it. Continue that path because it takes time. It is, don't get discouraged just because you're having one or two bad days. Because oftentimes the third day is fabulous. But if you change it the second day, the third day, the fabulous day will never have a chance. So consistency is so important for me. So because I often see, uh, you know, I was a a, um, jury member for for YGP just recently before lockdown. And I often see students doing stuff way beyond it's too much, it's too difficult. So you can't take that chance. Yeah. If you do three times that revision, you failed two times, you only succeeded one time, guess what, that's a wrong step for you, in my opinion. Yeah.
2: And often the jury, are, I mean, the jury is, is much more kind than often thought of. So the jury will not, if, if you slip, and and it's truly a slip, it's not because you were trying to do 24 perverts in the music for three,
0: <laughs> yeah, they will tell. be
2: forgiving. They can tell you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So um, a lot of kids literally want to die when something like that goes wrong, and 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 they have to bear in mind that the jury is really not trying to to penalize or punish them. The jury is there to indeed look for talent, look how to encourage the talent, and how to make it better. So um, that really is the is the function of the jury.
0: That's that's right. I agree, and you know you. We, if somebody do, knows how to do turns, sometimes it's irritation to me. Literally, I mean, beautiful turns, beautiful. But if you do two turns, one here, one here, you cannot save energy just to walk from here to there. Cutting all this beautiful opportunity, beautiful nuances, because you want to save energy, you just walk from here to there, four steps and fifth position, don't do again, do another turn. It literally irritates me. And that is, Valley that is, yeah. has never done that way and it should never be done that way.
2: We're going, get, we get, it's getting dark in South Africa. So we had to turn the lights on. Okay. No, that's yeah. So, um, when, yeah.
0: So there's a honest mistake the jury member can see it, but the mistake coming from just carelessness or somewhat disrespectful to the original choreography, what the, the choreography is intended, and some of that specific passages, specific specific port de bras are there for specific reason, and the most likely those jury member who has done those ballets before and they look for it. So if you did not do those specific things that are designed for that variation all you care about is those turns, and that is going to irritate you members, and that the score yeah. is not going to go well, so.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: so I, for now, instance, also um, in some of the competition in South Africa in particular, I remember dancers that um, that have done a solo and have scored exceptionally high in the one solo and then less so in the other, and then, comes the time that they have to choose what they're going to do in the re- next round. And you can't guide them as a jury member. And you, you, you wish you could yeah. put a little sign on your forehead to say, no, not that one, take the other one. <laughs> um, so again, it's it's, it's so, so difficult sometimes because in, in, in these competitions, once you get to the... The, the, the semifinals and finals, the difference in mark between the, the dancers are tremendous. so truly minute. It's really, really... And, and then the smallest little thing, a, a, an off decision as to what it is that you wanted to dance, et etc. Et makes a big difference. So um, uh, then it becomes more and more a game as to like a chess game. Which, which solo should I use? What is going to make me look best? And again, the question always is, what is going to make me look the best that I could possibly be? That is really the basic question you have to ask. When, when, yeah. you know, when parents ask me, so what solo should I do? Trust that you want to look the, poss- the best possibly you could yeah. on that stage. That's, That's what we absolutely. want to see as jury members. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And you know, the diversity in repertory, you choose two classical. You talk about there has to be two different styles. Uh, to show you, because the jury member appreciates that approach to see the the range of you, and with that another advantage comes with that. I believe is your look, because oftentimes they come from different costumes. So please don't choose my opinion to to choose two variation. Both requires romantic tutu unless you have something to hide. So as a jury member, mm-hmm. I often like, does she has something to hide? What what are you hiding? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I really, really appreciate if you one variation have a, a longer romantic tutu, second variation you come out with a with a classical tutu. So it's it's just so refreshing to see you. So that diversity in programming, in repertory ch- uh, choices, that benefit comes well as well because pe- we do want to see the other side of you to see what that look like. Um, that is. But just, but in uh, line with
2: that is the is the fact or the reality that very few people in their first competition does exceptionally well. Very few. It's you 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 become competition ready and competition fit. And oftentimes it's the teacher that becomes more aware of what the jury is looking for, more aware of how to prepare better, um, yeah. because. That is just how the the, the the it works. It it's it's like anything in world in the world. You can't go and run a forty-two kilometer race, a marathon, without having prepared and and gotten yeah, so fit. Great. So you have to become the same competition fit. You know you need you need to understand the games that happen backstage. Oftentimes, things that I never knew of. I seriously. You I ran a competition. I still run the competition, and then I'm sometimes amazed at, at the games that some people can play, and and I think you know we can pretend ah oh, no everything is perfect. It's not always perfect, and so it's 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 interesting how some kids are better to deal with it than others, and I think it's it's important yeah. that that you 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 prepare your student for something like that. You're not scaring them, you are not getting them to play the games themselves. You are only saying, be strong, be secure, and that's it.
0: I mean, you are going to be, sometimes I see teachers are far more nervous than the students, and often that is the case. I'm I'm literally trembling in the audience, yeah. literally trembling. Oh, I can't even watch it. I can't even look. <laughs> uh, K-A-F Academy went to New York, the regional, we did exceptionally well, but it was a, a horrendous experience for me in terms of nerve. Yeah. Just because I know how much energy and time all teachers have put it into, and I know how much the students have worked on that. And you just, want, you just don't want them to get hurt. But at the same yeah. time, we as a teachers, We have to be so strong. We have to be the person where, when the students are nervous, they look at us, they see confidence, they see comfort. they see security, they see love and care, and and just this presence. So at that moment, honestly, there's nothing else you can coach them at the let's say half an hour place, you know, the call. There's nothing you can do giving them all you do is just stand there and love them. And I think, yeah. and you cannot show your fear. If you show your fear, they crumble. They it's, gone. Just it's gone. It's gone,
2: exactly. You can go home. If you, <laughs> if you,
0: if you, if you go like this, and, and you lo- they yeah. lost. So yeah, it's a very, uh, very that's fun. the experience of what you just talked about. The teachers have yeah. to be educated and understand what they've gotten themselves into as well. So that takes yeah. not just the first time. The second time, you're much more experienced. So, okay, I got it. This dancer is not going to absorb any more correction at the half an hour. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And what costume really worked or what didn't? All that information. So there was a couple uh, uh, last week, there was a one question came up and saying that, is it necessary for teachers to participate in the competition? I My answer is it's not necessary. But if you are going to work with the students, have the desire and capability to go to the competition, then you need to get yourself educated to be a coach. It's very different. A teacher and a coach, it's a whole preparation prospect of it. And then at at the actual site, how do you take care of your students during the competition? So that whole week, that resting because, and resting, the costuming and the diet, and how do you take care of them in that whole week so they can be, The best they can be this whole and understanding that
2: each student is different from the other so if this worked for that student it isn't necessarily going to work for this student for some students they want to hear and they want to do every day the class and 10 times the variation and they get their security from that so you have to be able to then understand that's necessary for the other student it's not going to work like that and then you have to be able to to understand the need of the different students. You have to do what a teacher has to do, first and foremost, yes. You have to train them, you have to coach them, you have to prepare them. But you also have to understand that all the students are not 100% the same. You as a teacher might have this personality, but it's not necessarily going to be the same for your students. And you need to be able, it's like I always say, when when a parent tells me they treat their three children exactly the same, it's probably not a good parent because our children have different needs. You might need the the blue shirt today and I want the green shirt tomorrow because you getting the blue shirt today doesn't mean I should get the blue shirt today. And that difference in personality, that difference in style, all of those kind of things are things that you as a teacher need to know before you arrive at your competition venue. You need to be able to make your child feel comfortable. That's the first and foremost. And Mm -hmm. love. You said it just now. Love, they mustn't feel that the world is going to come to end if they don't do well. Of course it's going to come to end because it's bad for your studio or something. (laughs) And I think that's something that, that the kids don't always understand is that they are representing, like I said in the beginning, they are the ambassador of their studio. So if they do well, the teacher feels good. And they, they, they need to understand, I'm not talking about your young, 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 young kids, but your, the moment they, they are able to, 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 to grasp that there is more to it than actually just what happens again on the stage. Um, and therefore, the teacher also wants to, to, to do well. Because the teacher has also put in a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of love and a lot of guidance and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. And all of those things definitely play a role as well.
0: Yes. And I also want to mention, you know, in in this setting, compared to school like China, the school, you know, in the 2018, I was teaching master classes in my own school. They had a studio on the other side of the hall was the students are preparing for the same competition. They were going on the night or the next day. Each student, at least they have two teachers just there with them, 24 <laughs> seven, just there with them. It's not just yeah. to coach them, it's just there for them. They yeah. have their special lunch brought up from the cafeteria. They don't even have to go down there, brought up to their studio, just there for them. They have a custom lady there with all the costume, constant fixing, constant fix. See how this look, how that look. Yeah. Something pain, nurses just a call away, come down from upstairs. Yeah. It's the entire team. I'm talking about this support. It's unbelievable, this team. Of course, that adds pressure on the child to do well because if the yeah. child does not do all the support. So then in the situation, in. a vast majority of the dance schools uh, does not have that kind of state support, okay?
1: Yeah.
0: I think in that case, the parents are playing a very big role. And I think that the parents can play a very positive role in yeah. working with the, the teachers and the school. Also sometimes, um, to pardon me for saying that, because I know we have some parents are watching the show. You have to, you cannot be an obstacle in the process. Because one thing that you have to know, you are not go to the competition. Your child is. You are not. Sometimes or parents cannot, or subconsciously, are unable to differentiate that. So they truly yeah. feel they are on the judgment. They are not. They are the support system.
2: Yeah, you have to set the boundaries very, very clear. From the very beginning, Um, And everybody needs to understand that they are on the same team. Um, And I think your, your example of how it's done in China is exactly how the parents need to be made to understand that they are fulfilling a function in that place. They have to abdicate their role as a parent for the time that the competition happens in the preparation period. So if they are supposed to do A, B, C, D, they have to do A, B, C, D, and that's it. When the child comes home tonight, you become the parent again and you feed and love and care for them. But if you're part of the team, you have to play with the team. And as I say, those boundaries have to be super clear from day one. If it's not accepted at any given time, like in any team, if the nurse didn't arrive in time to take care of the Chinese kid, the nurse will be fired. So in the same way, if the parent isn't doing A, B, and C like they were supposed to do, fire them as members of your team because they will become an obstacle. So that, that has to be very, very, very clear. So clear because it becomes problematic if you haven't set those boundaries from the beginning, and I have seen it right. in so many competitions, my own competition, into at other competitions over there. I see teachers and parents shouting at one another, not speaking to one another in the end, and who gets caught in the middle? The poor child that has to get on stage and actually perform and do well, and they forget what it's about. They forget that it's actually about the child taking yeah, part. Yeah, that's
0: what I was saying. And yes. so all of those
2: things, and all of those other things become important, but it's not supposed to be.
0: What are you, um, Mr. Doc? So the, I was supposed to be scheduled to go to Cape Town, which is the city that I am absolutely, I think it's one of the top three destinations that I want to go. Um, supposed to be just completely gorgeous, beautiful place. And uh, I was supposed to go in July. Can you tell us a little bit about of course, we don't know. Including Kirov's own uh, summer intensive, I am still planning to have it, but with the mercy, with the mercy of uh, local state um, guidelines. But we're p- completely ready to go. Scenario A, Scenario B, Scenario Three, we're completely ready for it. All sorts of scenarios. So tell us. So for the, the audience members, and South African International Ballet Competition is supposed to happen in July uh, of this summer. So in light of COVID, can you share a little bit about us, at least uh, what you got? Well, the
2: moment we started, because in South Africa, we're still in a very heavy lockdown. Um, We are only allowed to go get food, work as an essential worker or a financial services worker, and go to doctors. That's basically what we are allowed to do. So... um, I had said the moment we started talking COVID-19, I had taken a decision that I won't make a decision until the end of May um, before I, I say we are postponing, we are canceling, we are whatever we are doing. The reason for that is we have to look at all the the um, scenarios exactly as you had spoken. We have to look at, I, as I said in the beginning, some some schools are already starting to go back into studios. So they will be able to rehearse. Some schools are not. So I am looking at looking at the end of May, and then I will be announcing exactly what we would do. Maybe we will change the format of the competition. Maybe we will make it into a coaching competition. Um, maybe some true miracle happens and suddenly everything opens, which is highly unlikely, sadly to say. Yeah. Um, so... I am looking definitely at different options and I'm talking to different people. We are looking at the theater. We are looking within the city and province from their support to see what will be allowed. How will we be able to do certain things if we do them? Um, And then we will, we will, we will engage with our teachers and our jurors because we had such a beautiful teaching faculty and, and, and jurors that we have lined up beautiful, absolutely magnificent. So um, I don't, just want to say, okay, it's over. Let's do 2021.
0: No, I mean, um, because yeah. what
2: are the repercussions? What is the theatre available in 2021? What is the what are, what are the competitions are happening at the same time? So we ha- oh. we need to be realistic. We need to be sensitive. We need to be caring. We need to understand where the different competitors are at in their in their own mental space. Um, and so, my little motto has been: relax, reflect, renew. And do all of this respectfully. So, respectfully, That's by beautiful. the end of May, I'm hoping to have some kind of a, 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 a an announcement. And also, I don't want to make an announcement and then change the announcement. So, right, right, by right. then, I will take a decision with a, a group of people that we will be engaging with, and we will take it from there. It's it's yeah. it's a, such a sad time. It really, really is. It's people have been working so hard right around the the, the, the world. You know, I had a call from from Sweden, said, oh, we're ready to come. We had emails from Croatia, from China, from Korea. They, all, they were all preparing, getting ready. Um, the South African kids were working so hard already. And then this happened. So, um, yeah, and, you know, we have to be realistic as well. You know, there's some, some battles you can fight, and there are some that you just have to say, let's move on, and let's see what is the best alternative. So that's where we are at. Right
0: i we're we are too we're reluctant to to make a decision, then we have to change it later on i mean we are I always believe these kind of things it happens it happened before it will happen again and uh I talked about yesterday one famous person I have said before don't let don't ever let a good crisis go to waste exactly. and uh you know. <laughs> So the fact it opened doors, one door shut, it opened doors to other opportunities. So now we are mm-hmm. learning this beautiful thing called distance learning. And yeah. I, do, I believe this distance learning, the virtual learning method, way are going to stay after the pandemic. So, and I think we are, I'm exploring in the way that there's multi-dimensional educational system. in Starting this uh, summer intensive, either we have in-person or online, but not just, it has to be dimensional, it has to be nicely put, professionally put together and make yeah. sure it's safe, make sure that everybody can benefit and uh, make sure that it is in conduct in a way that is respectful, just like you said, very important, hmm. be respectful. And uh, I am, to say the least, um, hoping that Things can quickly go back to normal, but I don't believe we can ever be a normal the type of. I mean, that's. I think there's evolution. A part of it, the evolution. We come out of one crisis, we don't really go back to the pre-pre crisis mode. We became something else. That's evolution. That's the way the world to me. It's constantly evolving, and uh, dance industry are doing really fantastic in terms of. How are we going to evolve? Literally, I see new ideas come every week in terms of how people are conducting themselves, how people are making themselves afloat and how people are coming, making the absolutely the best out of by doing, taking advantage of the situation. So I am certainly, you know, my love to, to everybody in South Africa, you know, I have really beautiful feelings for many of the teachers and students I have kept in contact with ever since last year, we met teachers and students. And I certainly really um, hope that we'll come out of this and a stronger footing that, uh, in terms of awareness, in terms of how we conduct ourselves, in terms of how we, what we learn the most important from this and uh, take advantage from those lessons moving forward. So, um, with that, Mr. Dirk, do you would you like to give us few last few words, without taking up so much more of your time, to all audience members, that, for, something wisdom, something, uh, something that inspiring.
2: <laughs> I don't have wisdom. I just have the absolute love for ballet. I, I believe that we all have to work together, as as I kept on saying. Um, We have to support where we can. We have to grow where we can. Um, And we have to be thankful. I always say to the kids, thank your parents and your teachers because without those, you wouldn't be able to be receiving the training and be in the position that you are in. Never forget that. Never forget where you come from, but have a very, very clear vision of where you want to go to. Know what it is that you want to achieve. Know what it is that you can and cannot do. So that you can work on that and you can fix that. But I also want to thank you, Mr. Du, for everything that you have been doing. You know all of these things. Your classes. I don't know how you you're still standing because you do these classes all the time. You have all the meetings. You have the responsibilities that you have. You have an amazing team that work with you, of course, and and most of us do. But in the end, it takes the, a person with a vision that needs to be able to run everything, and that's what I'm saying. So the same vision that you have for the school the students have to have for their careers, for their, they have to have a path and a plan. And I think that's important. I, the, the, the teachers need to understand also what it is that the child wants. You know, so often a mom brings a, a, a boy or a girl to ballet class because the mom wanted to do ballet. And then the boy or the girl becomes a dancer. And at some stage, some of them actually realize that really they want to be dancers, and that's great but some of them didn't want to be dancers. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I've worked very closely with a lot of dancers from the National Ballet School of Cuba. And in Cuba, being chosen to, be, to enter the school was always a huge honor. And it was a situation of getting access to opportunities that you wouldn't have had before. And then so often they would train these young men to become dancers, great dancers, And then when they finish school and they've been in a company for a while, some of them say, I've had enough. And they stop. And in that time that they stop, and this is very important, in that time that they stop, they realize that, yes, they wanted to be a ballet dancer and they're happy to be a ballet dancer. Or no, they are happy to become a soccer player or a businessman. And we have to be respectful and, and kind to that kind of decision. So, there is so much time that is invested in, in training ballet dancers. And we need to be very, very mindful that we allow this space to continue or not. And I think that's important. And then regarding the COVID thing, I also wanted to just say a few words with that. And I think that's important that we give our sign, ourselves the, the opportunity to take care of ourselves, first and foremost, as the parent or the teacher or the director, because we've been running around taking care of our staff and our families and everything. So allow yourself time to mourn. Allow yourself time to understand that you have to deal with the loss. Suddenly you're not seeing the students. You might have a loss of income. You might have a, a loss of connection to people. You might have been spending a lot of time. You've been preparing for your, your intensive, I've been preparing for the competition. Many directors have spent years on creating the seasons that were supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly we have to change. And, but all of that takes a toll, in, an emotional toll on us. And we need to to allow ourselves to deal with that and not just to steamroll through it and say, oh, it's okay, we get over it. No. At some stage, if you don't deal with it now, it will find a way it, because it will be it's festering and it will find a way to explode another time. Try and deal with it as quickly as possible and love yourself and love everybody in the world of ballet, please. Those are my words of wisdom.
0: (laughs) How beautiful, how beautiful. Well, with that, Ms. Dork, I wanted to say thank you so much. It's absolutely remarkable conversation, like all this conversation we had last year. And uh, thank you for your encouragement and support of me personally. And uh, let's work together and move forward. and I wish the day that I go back to South Africa to to see all the beautiful very students soon and
2: teachers. absolutely. <laughs> thank you very much, and I'm proud of everything thank you, so you do.
0: Much, Mr. Thank, there, you there, thank
1: you. We actually have a uh, few questions uh, that uh, the audience would like to ask you. Is that okay or? Mr. Is Drink? that OK? Yes. OK, sure. Uh, so one question is, uh, globally speaking, uh, what other competitions do, do the students have to participate, um, in your opinion?
0: Oh, there are lots.
2: There are so many. There are the ones in South Africa. There's the two in, in China. Every alternate year, there's the Shanghai or the Beijing one. There's one in Korea. There's actually more than one in Korea. There's the Varna. Um, <clears throat> So, those are very, very important competitions, and I think it's uh, and then, of course, I love the YAGP. Some people hate it, some people love it. I absolutely love the YAGP because it's it's become one of the best places to find opportunities for bursaries to some of the best schools. Um, and of course, every competition has its achieve a really great outcome. There's the Valentina Koslova competition. There are beautiful competitions in Russia. There's the Gregorovic one in Sochi, there's one in Perm. So there's a whole, whole bouquet of competitions to choose from. Choose them well. Choose them so that they can build on one another, so that you could use some of the same solos as not always learning something new, but you actually create something that will stand you in good stead when you end up in in a professional ballet company. Make sure that you gain from them. So there are really, really so many options um, around the world. And um, I would encourage a proper study before you just rush into the competitions.
1: Awesome. And the last question, sir, would be, um, how intense should the preparation for a competition should be in order to not, uh, to put too much intensity into a dancer's training? Uh, like the, will, would, would, you know, does that make sense to you? Yes. Balance. So
2: I think that we can, we can learn from the big Olympic games or big sports teams that you have to, to understand that you have to build up to a curve and then you have to get a little bit of a down and then up to the next one and then a down. You can't be at the peak for nine or 10 months of a year. It's impossible. That's when we get injury prone. That's when we get burnt out. That's when we stop loving what we are doing and we can never stop what, loving what we are doing. So really... Set a proper plan in the beginning of the year and stick to it. Really, really, really stick to it. You know, if you if you're on the stock exchange, there are rules that you 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 stick to. You know that when you when the stock price reaches a certain price, you sell, and when it gets to another price, a lower price, that's when you buy. Um, stick to those because those are well thought through and and. Um, well-tested formulae. And if you stick to those, it will be good for you as a teacher, you as a dancer, and it will make the the life easier for parents and the funding. Because if you know these are the goals that you are working, you have to fundraise for those, you have to work towards those, it's easier. Don't quickly come up with, oh, here's another competition, here's another competition. Um, and then in the end, it becomes like a a cat chasing its own tail or a dog chasing its own tail. It's, it's becoming just um, not becoming pr- productive.
1: OK, thank you so much, Mr. Dirk. Um, thank you for reminding us why we perform Teach and Learn Ballet in, in a bigger perspective, as well as like the more really practical things that the teachers and um, students can take for the competitions. Uh, they really appreciate it. All the platforms are going, you know, being very grateful to you with all your advices.
0: Okay.
2: Thank you very much. And thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Mr. Dark. Thank you very much. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Indeed. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for watching the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed what you saw, please continue to join us every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. And we'll have exciting people to be on the show, share their stories. If you are interested in Kirov Academy, want to know more of what we do, please go to kirovacademydc.org. Thank you so much.